0: Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron, on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with a holiday episode of this podcast. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a special Giants After Dark, where pretty much this whole episode is going to be me answering all your deepest, darkest Giants questions. And that means will Dave Gettleman return? Uh, Do they need a better backup quarterback than Colt McCoy? Where are they going to get that number one wide receiver, and what is the worst holiday? Those are some of the things we're going to touch on here. But first, I think we need to take an overall look at where the Giants are as an organization, okay? They got wiped on Sunday night, 20-6. to They had a backup quarterback. Their top cornerback didn't play either. Have to take that into consideration. But the reality was, even if those two guys played, Giants probably wouldn't have won. Same with the week before. like Daniel Jones was injured. Uh, James Bradbury did play in that game, but they were outclassed in that game as well by the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. We have to be real about where the Giants are. They're 5-9. There's been a lot of things that you like. The coaching, uh, the progress at one point that Daniel Jones was making, it seemed. The offensive line coming along a little bit. The running game. I mean, you know, that win in Seattle in particular. Let's go over that for a second. Okay? Great win. Great win. But it probably got all of us, me included a little bit, ahead of ourselves. I knew in a way that some of the the way they won a little bit wasn't really sustainable. But they were kind of doing it consistently at that point. You're like, okay, maybe they can win like this late down the stretch here. But as it turns out, they probably just caught Seattle on a bad day. The Giants had a really good day. And extra credit needs to go to their coaching staff for basically drawing up a plan that had Russell Wilson completely confused and just a mess. And we really don't see that very often. And you can't do that every week on a consistent basis. is win by coach. Talent wins in this league. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And talent-wise, we're learning they had demolished by the Cleveland Browns on Sunday night. They really weren't that much in the game against Arizona. These are teams that are more talented. I mean, these aren't even the most talented teams in the league. So the Giants have a long way to go. Now, I will give Joe Judge credit on this. He, at any point, did not buy into the whole win the division playoff thing. Like, I think he knew. He knew that in a way their winning was kind of a mirage. Like They were getting every ounce out of guys in order to win games. I mean, they're limited offensively. They don't have any dominant offensive weapons. They don't even have a high-end quarterback, if we want to be completely honest, at least right now in his career. I mean, they absolutely don't. Defensively, they have some good players. They have no edge rushers. The Giants the other day, by the way, I mean, they were basically playing a 4-3 a lot of times, but Carter Coffin started as an end outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. They're playing Carter Coffin, Jabal Sheard, and then David Mayo, who's an inside linebacker, They're playing him at outside linebacker a bunch. Those were their top three outside linebackers Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they're playing two safeties at cornerback. Now, my point here is this. It's not even just the star players that they're missing. This team from top to bottom, depth-wise, still has some major work to do. I mean, they're not there yet. They have one cornerback you can trust on the entire roster. And we found out that when he went down, I mean... They're limited. They have to play soft. I mean, Julian Love can't run with NFL receivers. So they're trying to, you know, then game plan and scheme around that. So this is where the Giants are. And I think Joe Judge realizes that's why he, you know, he was selling to his players so hard. Let's worry about this week. Don't look in the future. Don't look in the past. Don't, you know, it's interesting because Tom Coughlin would get at the the front of the team every, you know, I, I guess Wednesday morning. And he would go over the exact situation that the team was in. He'd give them a rundown of who they're playing, that team, where they're at, where the Giants are at in the standings, and that would be part of his Wednesday meeting. Joe Judge has taken the route of not going there at all, not even the slightest. We're not looking at the standings. We're not worrying about everyone else. We're worrying about ourselves. We're worrying about getting better. We're about doing things the right way. Really, he's trying to install his culture install the program that he wants to be there. And he knew deep down, I feel like it was going to be tough with the talent level that's there top to bottom in this roster for them to really do damage. So even the biggest dreamers of dreamers, you can't honestly in your heart of hearts think this team is a serious contender to win, you know, a Super Bowl or even get near the Super Bowl. I mean, let's be real. They're not anywhere near close to that. So Joe Judge is concentrated on building something from the ground up, basically. It's a rebuilding project. I truly believe this. And he knew it. And so he's been preaching publicly every time we ask him about the division. I don't care about that. Not paying attention to that. We're developing young players. And I like it because it's a big picture view. What's making the playoffs this season really going to do for this team? Yeah, you get a little playoff experience, but they're not real contenders. They're not really that close they have a lot of work to do so yes it would be nice it would be a bonus you'd be like okay we'll take it or, you know daniel jones gets to play in a playoff game but in the big picture it doesn't mean that much if this team wins the division or not they would only be winning the division in the first place cuz the division is butt sauce okay garbage it's bad division nobody's going nobody can finish with a winning record likelihood is everyone's going to have a losing record so if you win the division at 6 and 10 or 7 and 9 not a huge accomplishment. Not a make or break for this team. More important is that the team gets better. Now, they've taken a little few steps back in the last couple weeks. And they get their quarterback back, which I think they should have Daniel Jones this week. I'm taping this on Tuesday night. They get Daniel Jones back. to get James Bradbury back. They'll, they'll look better. Now, I don't know if they can handle the, the Baltimore Ravens coming up this week. But then they got the Cowboys in Week 17. You just hope for a better performance against the Ravens. I'm not so sure. We'll get, we'll get to that later on in the show. I'll give my prediction. Um, that's what you're looking for progress. And that's what Joe judge has been preaching. Now you can sit there and we can sit here and talk about the decisions to go for, uh, touchdowns instead of field goals in the game. And I think we've all, you've probably heard enough about that by now. I, I like aggressiveness in general. So I'm not fully against it. Look, they whiffed on the first one. They thought they were going to have something there. Totally wasn't there. When it's not there, you get criticized. It's a terrible play. And yeah, it's a terrible play. Cause you have your punter throwing the ball. They saw something schematically where they were hoping a guy where they, where they thought the guy was just going to be wide open. They wouldn't cover the center they wouldn't think about covering the center, but the Browns did a good job. The giants whiffed on it. Then the second one, I'm totally for going for it. Fourth and two inside the 10, Uh, but you'd already made the previous mistake. So now you're sitting there saying now you need the points. That's how you kind of keep compounding mistakes. Uh, But I am not totally against that second one. Anyway, they could have kicked all the fuel goals in the world they wanted. They weren't winning that game the other night. Cleveland did whatever they wanted offensively. I know they only scored 20 points. The Giants did not make enough plays. There were plays there to be made, but Colt McCoy couldn't make a couple throws. Ball hung up there too long. He just doesn't have the zip on his arm to make some of these downfield throws that were there. There was one Evan Ingram broken up. Slayton that didn't get there. Uh, who's the other one? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Golden Tate. Could have been basically all touchdowns, big plays. Couldn't get the ball out there, so. That was what they were dealing with. But big picture, this is what we learned. They're not ready yet. They're not. They're just not. And now they got the Ravens, a Ravens team that's playing better. So it doesn't get any easier. Still, I think that you should be, you should feel pretty good about the direction of this team, about where they're headed and what they've done this year. Don't get caught up too heavy in the playoffs. I really think it's foolish. It's not, it would have been nice, would have made it a little fun for an extra week or so. But, the Giants have way more progress to be made. Right now they're 5-9. and nine, So let's say they split. We might even be being generous. They finished 6-10. and 10. They're a 6-10 and 10 team. They're not a team. So that's not a record that's synonymous with playoffs or playoff worthy. So this team is not there yet. On to the next one.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
0: Ah, yes, it's your favorite part of the show, the time where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. We're going to start with Twitter. Question number one, Nick Nick Feldman says... Will Gettleman be employed after week 17? Is there any change in ownership's mind? Now, this is the question that everybody is asking me. Nick, you're just a representative for the masses on this one. Uh, What I will say about this is it's a decision I don't think that has been completely made at this point. Now, I know talent-wise, There's a belief, and that people inside the organization look at this team and they say, "We're not there yet." Like they know that, they know that, and now we're in year four. This is after year. This is the third year, like of Dave Gettleman's regime. The problem is, they're probably in year one and a half, is what I like to call it, of the rebuild. That was Gettleman's biggest mistake. Now, how they finish definitely impacts this decision. So I think ownership, which isn't going to be happy, they finish five and eleven again, kind of flop out here and flame out here late in the season. It's definitely on the table. Six and ten, up in the air. Seven and nine, Dave Gettleman's definitely coming back. Now I'm leaning towards at this point still thinking that ownership is going to convince themselves, you know, we made progress, we made, we took steps, we we have, we were going in the right direction. Dave's the guy to get us there. The, The flip side is it would make sense. Dave Gettleman, you know, has already made enough mistakes. The roster isn't good enough in year three, as we just talked about. Say, let's pair someone up with Joe Judge, get him somebody that he aligns with completely 100% philosophically and move forward. So you can see both ends of it. And I think these last two games are going to go a long way in determining how that pans out. Right now, what I think is that ownership is not completely happy, but at the same time, they see growth, so let's call it a coin toss. Question number two at a hutch nine seven five asks: Is Daniel Jones gonna play again this season, or will they shut, or will they shut him down to be safe? Uh, my expectation is that Daniel Jones will play. I mean, if he suffers a setback, if he pulls it again, the hamstring, yeah, he's done. But the ankle, the swelling went down last week. The hamstring actually got a little better. It was just the combination of both kept him out this past week. I think. There's a really good chance that Daniel Jones is back this week against the Ravens. Now we'll see how he does in practice. We'll see uh, how his body holds up. But I think the plan right now is for Daniel Jones to be back. And obviously the Giants are a better team with Daniel Jones if he's somewhat healthy and can move. But even if he's not, even if he's not, I think it's important. If Daniel Jones is 70, 75%, we need to see him on the field. Do You're not going to be able to play in this league. If he can't play successfully at 80%, 75%, I mean, he's that's this is a tough league. He's going to take hits. He's running. He's going to get injured. He needs to be able to have success in the NFL when he's not 100%. And that really will show where he stands as a passer. Like, if he can't run and can't do anything, and that gives him no chance to be successful because he can't just strictly run and have that threat of running, God, the Giants are screwed anyway. Question number three, at Nick Varney asks, do the Giants need to pay for a top-tier backup quarterback in 2021, given D.J.'s injury record? It's an interesting question because is Colt McCoy good enough? I'm not really so sure. I have my doubts. But the reality is, what did they do with Colt McCoy as a starting quarterback? They were able to win. They went one-and-one one with him as a starting quarterback. They split. They beat Seattle. They lost to Cleveland. You know, they end up winning the game he came in. It was against the Bengals. So, I mean, that's not terrible for your backup quarterback. You're kind of getting what you you want from your backup quarterback there. You split two games against good teams. I mean, how many backup quarterbacks are going to come in and beat the Seattle Seahawks and the Cleveland Browns? I mean, not many, if any. I mean, think about it for a second. What we considered a really good backup quarterback was uh, Andy Dalton coming to this year. I know a lot of people, when he came in, they said he's the best backup quarterback in the league. Well, what does that do for you? What's that doing do for the Dallas Cowboys? Really not that much. Now, I think it would be interesting and it would be smart of the Giants to do it because we don't know a ton about Daniel Jones. Like, I still have some doubts of whether Daniel Jones is the guy. And if he plays really poorly, like in the first half of next season, it would be good to have, like a, a quality proven backup, like you know, if Jane, uh, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, something like that, like I wouldn't mind that. You know, give him some competition, give him somebody a little light a little fire under behind in his behind. Hey, you gotta play well, otherwise, you're not guaranteed anything around here. Next question, question number four at New York Sports Fanatic Peter asks, Is Lethal Weapon more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard? Yeah, now. I'm gonna say this. You hear I get this question every year or some some version of it. I really don't understand this whole argument about Lethal Weapon and Die Hard being Christmas movies. I think it's a really stupid argument. I mean, who cares? Who cares if it's a Christmas movie? Right? I mean, they're entertaining drama movies uh from twenty, thirty years ago at this point. Probably not thirty, probably in the twenty range. But I mean, who cares if they're Christmas movies? I mean, well, because they're they're like The scene is basically around Christmas. We're going to argue about whether they're Christmas movies. Seems like a dumb argument to me. Now, I will still play along. If I had to pick one more being more Christmassy than the other, give me Die Hard and and the good old John McClane. Because he had to get home to his family or his wife or his ex-wife or his girlfriend, whatever she was, in Christmas. It just seems to be more around Christmas than Lethal Weapon, which had like some Christmas mentions, but wasn't really like the storyline wasn't built around Christmas. Die hard seemed more partially built around Christmas. Either way, not true Christmas movies. Weird that this became an argument someday. It's almost like his uh, hot dog a sandwich kind of deal. Get that question before. Which, by the way, a hot dog is not a sandwich. At Mike Veneziano says, any chance Pettis gets put on the active roster this week? Now you're talking about Dante Pettis. Comes from the San Francisco 49ers. Now, his only real purpose would be as a returner. He was a great returner in college, but he hasn't really even been successful as a returner in the NFL. So maybe Deion Lewis is struggling as that kickoff returner. He fumbled. They got it back, I believe, but it was kind of lucky you don't lose that. Uh, but still, I mean, you're talking about a guy who the San Francisco 49ers, who had no wide receivers left, healthy wide receivers, still cut this guy. What can he really do for them? I'm going to guess probably not much. And I believe. His last moment with the 49ers, they actually did give him a kickoff return or a kickoff or punt, I forget, a return of some sort. And guess what he did? He fumbled him. That's right. Yo, at Giants Vidal 1027, this is question number six asks, what are you hearing about the Giants potentially re-signing Leonard Williams? Now, here's what I know. The Giants like Leonard Williams as a player, but they can't really re-sign him now. The rules don't allow it. When you get franchise tag once that July, I believe it's July 15th deadline passes, you can't re-sign that year. So really now it's about can they re-sign Leonard Williams when the free agent period starts? You know, I think there's that three-day window where you can negotiate with your own guys. But still, he's three days from the opening of free agency at that point. It benefits Leonard Williams to get to free agency and have teams bid for his rights. So, again, the Giants have put themselves in a bad spot with Leonard Williams, but I know they do like him, and they would like to have him back. Question is, there's a price for everything. What's the price? How much does it cost? Is he worth it? You know, if he, if he wants to be paid as a top five defensive lineman, I don't think the Giants will pay him. I don't think they should pay him. If he's willing to take a reasonable deal, top 10, top 15 deal, then I think the Giants will. But once, you're, once you become a free agent, that's when you get overpaid. I don't think the Giants will overpay for him, now. Next question, number seven at Jared underscore strum asks, is Darius Slayton our number one guy, or should the Giants go after someone like Allen Robinson or Kelly Galladay in free agency? Maybe even draft Jalen Waddell. Now, I've thought about this a lot. The Detroit Lions, let's look at their their weapons. They stink. Allen Robinson, the Chicago Bears, let's look at their weapons. They stink. I mean, those two guys are really good when healthy. The problem is. If either of those teams let those guys go, how bad are their weapons? I mean, I know the Bears are kind of stuck financially a little bit, but, I mean, getting rid of that guy doesn't seem like the answer. I have a hard time seeing the Bears getting off Allen Robinson. Now, Kenny Galladay maybe makes a little more sense for the Lions. The Lions are going to go into a full rebuild maybe at some point. Matthew Stafford might need to go. and You know, getting rid of Kenny Galladay after a season where he's been banged up and injured kind of maybe makes sense. But still, so I think the likelihood, though, is that those guys probably won't leave their team. Remember, the salary cap's probably going to go down, so the franchise tag also numbers will probably go down. Makes it even more likely that they might get signed or tagged. Stay with their teams. And the Giants, if you want a true number one, probably going to have to look for one in the draft. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. I mean, uh, the guy from LSU who I'm, I'm blanking on who sat out this season. Everybody, really, from Alabama right now, I mean, they're just beasts. That team is just beasts. All right, question number eight, at Connor Hazleton asks, what's the worst holiday, in your opinion, and why is it New Year's Eve? Now, I'm like, I'm going to disagree with you, Connor, here. I don't dislike New Year's Eve. Not a terrible holiday. I mean, I like New Year's Eve. You don't like going out, having a good time, having drinks, staying up late, and having a party? I mean, not so bad for me. Now, if you told me... New Year's Eve, I got to be one of these morons that sits there with a diaper in Times Square. Yeah, I'm totally out. Totally out. That's moronic. In freezing cold temperatures. Obviously, not going to happen this year with the pandemic, but in in general. Yeah, that just sounds miserable. I I wouldn't want to do that if you paid me. But New Year's Eve in general, you get together with friends, you all have a party, you have a good time, you watch the ball drop. It's kind of lame ball, but you know, tradition. To me, hands down, Worst holiday, Valentine's Day. Sucks. Terrible. Miserable. Complete fraudulent holiday. Made up so that, you know, they could capitalize on uh, the give it, selling cards and flowers. I mean, give, go give your wife. Go give your girlfriend. Go give your boyfriend. Whatever it is. Your husband. Give him flowers. Give him chocolates. Buy him a gift. Anytime you want. Okay? We don't need some stupid holiday to tell us we love you. Okay? This is a great holiday. Made up in the middle of, the middle of nowhere. We've got to pretend like it's some special day. We've got to buy you jewelry. Garbage. BS. Terrible holiday. And cards in general? Totally out. Stupid concept these days. Send you an e-card. Anyone who, th- who's, who will get, get mad at you? Just send them an e-card instead of spending $12 or whatever cards cost these days. If you have a problem with the e-card and you'd rather me waste $12 on a piece of cardboard you're going to throw out, Probably when I leave or when I, the second I'm not looking, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. You're out. You're off my list. You're gone. you gone. Next question. Double X flip XX asks Is Benjamin Victor still on the practice squad? He's a big body wide receiver that could fill that void. Is he not developing? Thanks. Yeah, I've been getting this question. I don't know if it's you over and over again. I believe this is question nine, by the way, uh, about Benjamin Victor. Look, I'm telling you. Benjamin Victor, if he makes any impact in the NFL in his career, kudos to him, I'd be surprised. I mean, dude, it's a toothpick. He didn't look like he was going to be at least the minimal part of training camp that we saw that he was going to be a significant player in this league. Now, maybe he can hang on as a fifth receiver and get in there a little bit. But look, first of all, he's skinny as skinny AF. Okay. So big body by maybe you mean tall. He, I just don't, I don't see it. He's not going to come in. And make a difference. I remember Austin Mack, he made that big difference in one week. I'd be surprised. I mean, he's basically used as a tight end playing wide receiver. Giants use him as a blocker. Not going to be a big, I'd be surprised if he's a big pass catcher in this league. Makes a real impact in that regard. Question number 10. At camp 440. I meant to do this question earlier with the Dave Gettleman one, but package them together. But let's get to it anyway, because it's very interesting. I didn't think about this. Please mention that Dave Gettleman passed on Josh Allen in 2018 and passed on Justin Herbert in 2020, but drafted Jones in 2019, who can't stay healthy and is a turnover machine. Then explain how he still has a job. It is fascinating that in retrospect, he passed on Josh Allen in 18. And then because he drafted Jones in 19, then couldn't draft Herbert in 20. Who Herbert, by the way, the Giants I know loved him probably would have taken him if he came out in 19. I'm very confident they would have taken him in 19 over Daniel Jones, if they were both there and that came out in that draft. But he didn't. Now, Herbert came out in 2020 and actually got drafted sixth. Andrew Thomas got drafted fourth. Now, remember, he got drafted over Tua, Justin Herbert. So think about how sick the Miami Dolphins might be one day because Justin Herbert, by the way, looks sick. And so does Josh Allen. And I, I was joking in a way, but I said it, I'll say it, you know, the Giants should have drafted Josh Allen in, in 2018. And it's true. In retrospect, I mean, that was their move. That was the best move for them. Now, I'm not a talent evaluator. You know, like I always say this, if their job was to look at that draft, find the best quarterback, and that's what they get paid for. No one's paying me, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to evaluate talent. You know, like I give my opinion on a guy but I wouldn't take it to the bank and I don't get fired if my talent evaluation opinion is right or wrong because that's not my job you know I mean that's not I mean giving my opinion at times is my job but like look trust me if I was the best in the world at identifying football talent I wouldn't be working as a reporter covering the Giants it's that simple so their job was to find the best quarterback and as it turned out probably looked to be Josh Allen. They had their shot at him. There's people in the organization, trust me, that really liked Josh Allen. It's not like he wasn't in the running at all. They looked at him hard. There's people that really liked him. Now, yes, it was a little bit of a projection. That's why these things are tough. It's an imperfect science. I'm not going to blame him and kill him and crush him for not taking Josh Allen. But I could still sit there in retrospect a couple of years later and say, yeah, you know, they probably messed up. He would probably should have been the best choice there. And I'm not wrong there. I feel really good about that. Josh Allen has developed. I wasn't even the biggest fan last year, but this year, dudes the nuts. Question from Instagram, at Timmy Joyner. Okay, Giants could not handle the pressure they played hard every game, but the lack of depth and not having those game-changing playmakers just shows. Especially down the stretch against quality teams, time to start thinking about the offseason. Keep it simple for you. What's most important in order according to you? GM thoughts, free agent approach, or draft? Now, obviously, they're all important. You need to get the talent from free agency in the draft. And you, I can't say it's one or the other because it doesn't look like the Giants are going to be drafting as high as they were in past years. In the past years, I would say you have to hit the draft because they're drafting. They, they drafted top six three years in a row. And let's be quite honest, the results right now aren't overly encouraging. We still we – we, uh, I guess we have one star out of the three, but he's been injured now for two straight years. Now we're we're, the jury's still out on Daniel Jones. It's still out on Andrew Thomas, but neither has been overly encouraging and blown you away with what they've done on the field so far. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. So in order to get those players in draft and free agency, and I think it's combined now going into this year, the GM has to be the most important of the three got to have the right GM because he's helping pick the, he's the, the largest piece to picking the players. Now, Yes, Joe Judge probably has more impact in picking players. He's not going to be afraid to give his opinions on what he wants and what he needs. But the final decision on these picks and the free agents is the general manager. That's the giant setup. That's what these people do. They have final say on personnel. It's a collaborative process, but those guys have final say. So the GM is vital. And I think you guys know. Where I stand on Dave Gettleman, three years worth, and I don't see, I don't see this great talented team. Can you do the job in five years, six years? You want to give? Hey, you got to rebuild a team. I'm going to give you five, six, seven years. I mean, who can't? You know, if you can't do it in that long, that's your problem. You're not doing a good job. On to the next one. All right, let's wrap up with a quick Jordan on the beat here. I'll give you a prediction, and then we'll all get to go enjoy this uh, Christmas week. Uh, It's really one of the best weeks of the year. I'm Jewish, and I'm saying that, but it's always a great week. I mean, work is usually light. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Usually everyone's in a good mood. People usually go on vacations. Now, this year is obviously a way different year, but still, great week, Christmas week. Up Up there with the best weeks of the year for sure. Now, the Jordan on a beat portion. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit because I've dipped into TikTok. Okay. You might say, TikTok, like, how old are you? You know, are, are you a teenager? Are you 20 years old? Are you 10? And that's the thing. My daughter's, you know, she's nine, about to be 10. And the kids that age, they love TikTok, a little older. Uh, and then you see Juju doing Corvette, Corvette on other teams' logos. I mean, I kind of like the platform, I think it's fun. Now the reason, I mean, I joke a little bit, but the reason I do it is, you know, I was look, I was thinking to myself, like I got to keep expanding out. You got to keep providing different new content, and you know, I was thinking about reels at one point. I did a couple reels on Instagram. Now I'm doing a few TikToks. Like it's fun. I kind of enjoy it, and it shows a little different side of me. You know, you get to have fun, you get to make it fun. I get to do stuff with my daughter. She's kind of like going to be my partner in crime here. So I think I think we're going to keep it going for a bit. Giants related TikToks. So make sure you follow along. Uh, it's at Jordan Ron on ESPN. And uh, you have any ideas. We'll think about it. My, I got to pass it through the nine year old who then makes the final decision on whether it's good content because she probably she knows more about this stuff than I do. But you got to keep evolving. That's the, that's the big picture thing here. And I'm, I'm being serious now. Uh, you have to keep evolving. You have to. I mean, there was a time when people were like, oh, Twitter is stupid. So you got to keep an open mind when you're in this business. It's always changing. The platforms change. The, the demands of your job change. Uh, everything is constantly evolving. And if you're not willing to evolve, you will get left behind. I promise you that. You don't evolve. You will get left behind so keep an open mind if you're going to be in this media business or in any business this really applies to everywhere you can't just be like this is the way we do it because we always did it this way which is why you see like you know teams um they're down two scores they're down 14 the only reason that they kick the extra point to make it seven you know late in the fourth quarter is because they've always done it that way but there's math there's analytics there's just Tons of data that say the best way to do it is to go for two when you score that first touchdown. Because then if you score, again, the second touchdown to actually get it, you have a chance to win instead of tie. But the reason, I I think we saw it the other day, the Steelers didn't do it on Monday night. The only reason the Steelers didn't do it is because they're saying to themselves, we've always done it this way. This is the smart thing to do. Well, maybe it isn't. Because if if, if, if you're in that same situation a thousand times, It says, hey, you're better off going for the two-point conversion. So that's the smarter move. you got to have an open mind to these things. Can't just be stuck in your ways. Uh, Now, as far as this week's game, you're not going to like this, Giants fans. But I'm sorry. I have a hard time seeing them competing, hanging with a Ravens team. Let's be honest, is significantly more talented. The Ravens are talented, man. I mean, their tight end is a stud. They have a really, really good... Right tackle probably better than any offensive lineman on the Giants. And that's not even including their left tackle, who's the biggest stud of all. He's out for the season and injured. But, I mean, they've got a, a star quarterback who was an MVP. I know he's been a little up and down this year, but Lamar Jackson could do some things. We'll see on Sunday, but the Duke can do some things. So they're really good. I mean, on defense, they got multiple. they got multiple stud cornerbacks. Multiple stud pass rushers. Calais, that's not even including, including Calais Campbell's. They have multiple edge rushers who are studs. Uh, Patrick Queen looks like he's going to be a stud, a linebacker. I mean, there's a talented, talented team. And the Giants, not quite there yet. They would need the Ravens to play a D game in order to have a real shot at this one. So I'm going Baltimore 30, Giants 16, which, by the way, 16 points for the Giants. And I'm assuming Daniel Jones is going to play. It's almost like an offensive explosion at this point. So, it's not like I'm I'm saying they they won't be able to move the ball at all. 16 points is good for them. But hey, it's going to be a tough one for them on the road in Baltimore. Uh two games left. They're going to need a lot of things to work in their favor. You know, Patrick Graham and Joe Judge, that side of the ball and Jason Garrett. I mean, they're going to have to draw up just a genius game plan again, like like they did in Seattle and then have Baltimore turn it over a couple times even if it's uh unforced errors I mean they're gonna need a lot of that but I just don't see it 30 16 Ravens that'll pretty much bury any chance of the Giants making the playoffs but like I said show progress show you're better than the Cowboys week 17 finish 6 and 10 okay it's improvement they're moving in the right direction have Daniel Jones play well the last two weeks and you can feel pretty good about your team heading into the offseason and with that I hope you're feeling good heading into Christmas it's a great week, a great day for most people. Who doesn't like Christmas? So go enjoy it. Even as, as Jews, we like Christmas. It's a fun holiday. Everyone's having fun. Old Santa Claus cookies thing. I mean, it's going to be a real Grinch not to like Christmas. It's not like Valentine's Day, which sucks as a holiday. It's Christmas, a time where everyone's merry and happy. Seriously, people are happier on Christmas Day and in a better mood than almost any other day of the year. I mean, I can't think of a day where people are probably as happy as they are on Christmas. So enjoy it. As always, you can reach me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email. Now even TikTok. How about that? TikTok. Yeah, I'm a TikToker. Uh, and tell your friends about this podcast. Subscribe. Give us good rating. Give us all the feedback you can. Welcome all feedback, good and bad. And as always, have a great one. Enjoy the holidays, and let's see what happens this week. Maybe maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe the Giants will come out and stun us all again like they did against the Seahawks. Did it once before. Not impossible. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com. See you next time.